Hello and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the ALT Learn podcast. I'm John Tate and I'll be your host over the next 30 minutes as we break down the science behind how our students really learn, what this pedagogy looks like in the classroom and get to find out how our teachers are turning all this theory into practice. So let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode two of the ALT Learn podcast, where we're going to continue with our theme of remote learning, because as we're recording this episode, we're still in a period of national lockdown, meaning remote learning for the vast majority of our students. If you listen to episode one of the show, you'll know that we spoke to Chris Brown and Rob McGreal about how to structure remote learning, and more specifically, they shared their golden nuggets on how to deliver live lessons. But just like everything in education, there's always one, one more than one way to do things. So in this episode, we're going to turn our attention to recorded lessons looking at how they can also be a great way to deliver effective remote learning. So I'm pleased to say that with me today to discuss this is Emma Dunwoody, Assistant Ed Teacher at Richmond School. Hello, Emma, and a big thanks for being my guest on the show today. Hi, John. Thank you very much for having me. And interestingly, as we chatted over the last kind of few days about you, about you kind of coming on the podcast, um, you were quite kind of adamant that, you know, I, I'm not a, an expert and I'm not a kind of a self-confessed digital learning geek. But I suppose that was exactly the reason why I wanted you on, because, you know, you, you've been a, a testament to the fact that you've learned so much in such a, a short space of time with digital learning. And then actually, um, you know, like you said to me, you know, it, it's not that difficult. And although it might feel a little bit strange, and a little bit worrying and frightening to start with, it's actually quite easy when you get going, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm definitely no expert. Um, and, you know, my primary subject is English. Um, so I'm a lot more about the the pad and the pen, really. Um, so when all this happened, it was a perfect opportunity, really, for me to start exploring some of these digital platforms and technologies that we have available to us that I think can really add something to the educational experience, but can at first seem a little bit daunting because for so long, We've been attached to classrooms and uh, board and a board pen. And this is a bit of a, a moment in history, really, where we've had to transform um, via having no choice, really. Um, but I think there's lots, there's lots of good things that can come from it. And like I say, if I can do it, genuinely anybody can do it. Absolutely. And also that there's a big debate at the moment going around about live lessons versus recorded lessons. And I think that, you know, as I said in the, in the first episode, there, there are, there's no real, you know, there's no real kind of set way that everyone should think of doing this because it's about what works for your context. Um, and that might be your staff or your, your, your children, your families. And there are both there are pros and cons to both approaches, and I think that some of the benefits to live lessons are, 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 are the negatives to recorded lessons, and vice versa. So I really want to focus on, you know, on recorded lessons there, like we said, um, and and really looking at how we can kind of add that into our armory, um, you know, if we so choose as teachers. So first thing I wanted to ask Emma was that what what have you found to be the benefits to pre-recorded lessons as opposed to live lessons? I've found so far that if I take the pre-recorded lesson approach, I'm able to, you know, use a PowerPoint or a presentation that I may have used had the students been in the classroom. Um, and I'm able to talk through any nuances in the information that's in the presentation. I'm able to give it extra context and background information. And what I've found is that I can almost deliver a lesson minus any type of interruptions and give instructions like asking the students to pause at certain points so that they can then have a go at an activity and then they can check how they've done and I think the beauty of it and the positive of pre-recorded lessons um, are that the students can rewind and they can pause and they can revisit 
So in a classroom, students are often quite reluctant to put their hands up and say, Miss, I don't get it because of the kind of peer effect and they don't want to look like they don't understand compared to everybody else. Whereas if you've got a pre-recorded approach, um, I'm hoping that we'll find that students can then pace the learning as they best see fit and they can go back over something if it hasn't quite resonated or stuck um, and they can play it again and do that as many times as they need to. Um, and our primary hope at, at, at Richmond School is that this type of approach is going to develop independence in the learners as well, because I would say that the slight downside of the live lessons is that, and why they're so appealing sometimes to the kids and to the, to the students, is that they can just appear and be there, but they could just appear and be there. Does that make sense? They don't mm. necessarily, unless they're a bit of a self-starter, have to engage or do much whilst that lesson is taking place and there's probably a follow-up activity and things to do during the lesson but if they choose to have their mics off etc then you don't know if they're definitely engaged they could just be passively taking something on board whereas with a pre-recorded lesson obviously they may choose to not engage with it but if they do they are the masters of their own learning and they can you know they can like I say go back and forward and uh, revisit things as they need to and and does that does that require kind of um more of a an intrinsic kind of motivated student to be able to do that i mean i suppose that you know from a if students um like that routine of being kind of almost a bit spoon-fed through a live lesson and being told they have to be there at that time because all their friends have been there does it does it do, do we need to try and create some more independent learning skills um to make to make students be able to use those recorded lessons in in, in that way you, you mentioned there Yes, we do, because um, you've definitely got to be quite, um, have, a, have a strict routine, I would say, and you need to be um, fairly motivated and driven to do the work, um, which is why I would suggest that having a slightly mixed diet, so having a little bit of live and a little bit of pre-recorded and then somewhere it's just activities. It's a little bit like learning when you're in the classroom, isn't it? You wouldn't just teach in one way because that wouldn't work for the diverse range of learners you've got in front of you. And I would say that virtual learning is exactly the same. Um, just before this call, I did a virtual spelling test, who would have thought, uh, <laughs> with a great class. Um, and it actually went quite well. And a couple of the students at the end were like, oh, thanks, Miss, that was really good. And some got 15, some got 13. Obviously, there's a slight mileage for cheating there, but I, I'm trusting them um, and did remind them it's fairly pointless to cheat in a spelling test. Um, but I did that and then I've set some um, video clips for them to watch and then they're going to write a summary of what they've seen, which is linked to a Shakespeare play we're studying. And so you can see there that that's a bit of a blended approach, which has got some requirement of them being there for a short stint. And it took about 15 minutes to do the spelling test and you could do a bit of a check in with them as well. And then they've got another activity to do independently afterwards. And so... Yeah, I would I would suggest that a blended approach is much more effective than perhaps just doing pre-recorded, just putting resources on there or just consistently doing live. If you're doing a live just because you feel you should do a live, you're not actually thinking about the primary purpose of all of this, which is the, the learning of, of the young people. Um, and by doing lots of different things, you can cater to a, a broader range um, and make sure you're kind of covering everybody, regardless of whether they're intrinsically or extrinsically motivated. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I think it goes back to a point that, 
Chris and Rob made in the in the first episode where it was about the fact that we need to think about what's the purpose of of the lesson you know what why are we why are we delivering it and therefore from there choose kind of you know what, what the method or what the medium would be um and I, I like that idea of having a a mixed economy really of, of, of everything in your armory so that you, you you keep students in those routines but the way you deliver things might be slightly different and, and again you would do that in a in a in a classroom setting wouldn't you you, you would make sure that not everything was delivered in exactly the same way all at the same time, um, even though you would have a lot of those fundamental principles and, and, and routines running underneath, you would kind of uh, change things up a little bit to for a little bit more um, you know, excitement or engagement or you know, students maybe not knowing what you know what's coming next uh, every now and again. So, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, in terms of different year groups, then, so we, we've talked there about, you know, the, the fact that you might um, deliver it in different ways for, for, the, for the kids or, or, or keep them in routines because it's important. And we talked about intrinsically and extrinsically motivated students. And sometimes that that develops further up the school, doesn't it, in terms of maturity. So are there any benefits um, or should I say, are the benefits the same for students in all year groups? And, and you know, have you found your approaches to remote learning changing by by kind of key stage? You know, are you doing the same in key stage three, four and five or are you finding different approaches work for different age groups? Um, I definitely find different approaches um, uh, more relevant and more helpful for different key stages. So for year 13, who are the sixth form media group, A-level group that I have, um, I find that live lessons um, actually work quite well in terms of the delivery of the content um, because we would often talk through a concept or an idea that might be a media theorist or um, just something where you actually are delivering um actual learning and content that they need to know and remember and um, so facts and things like that um but i do find still that a mixed diet is quite good for them as well so we do some i do quizzes with them as well so they can retrieve information from previous topics that have gone so that that's not dropping off the radar um, and then i do set sometimes some pre-recorded material for them to have a watch and a look through and you're quite lucky with key stage five in that they're fairly um, intrinsically motivated anyway but they have a level of maturity as well where the live lessons work very well and they're good at sort of raising their hands or unmuting and muting and popping things in the comments um key stage three i tend to find at the moment and this may change because we're still early days but um I tend to take a shorter approach to the live element um, and then have something that they would access independently um, because I can find some of them get a little bit excitable at the live side and they're mainly wanting to wave at their friends and <laughs> um, not necessarily taking it in as much as you would hope. But, but that is actually an important part of it as well. And we as a school, we've chatted about this and said that it's important that for Key Stage 3, even though we wouldn't ever insist because our school isn't fully up to speed with all of the tech and all of our kids don't necessarily have access to it, we would still like to have a live element as part of it all because partly because they do like to see one another and connection is really important. So again, it all comes back to that, that idea of having a mixed approach um, so that we're maintaining connection, we're delivering valuable learning and content using a medium that's best appropriate for that um, and for the age group of the learners. So that, I would say, is the biggest difference for me. 
And that's really nice to hear that there isn't just a one size fits all approach that as a teacher, I'm delivering all of my lessons in this way, irrespective of the year group. We're being intelligent about the, you know, how we, uh, how we design, how we deliver uh, the learning based on the students kind of virtually in front of us. And I think that's what any good teacher would do at any point in the, in in a physical classroom. And we need to remember that even in a a virtual environment that we find ourselves in now, that we should still um, use, like I've said a bit earlier in this, that, there are some fundamental principles of, of great teaching and great quality teaching and learning that we should still, uh, you know, harbour in, in 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 our kind of in our online lessons. Um, and, and like you just said there about that, not having a one size fits all, adjusting our approach to the people in front of us. You know, using a mixed economy so we can kind of keep engagement at, at high levels. All those type of things, irrespective of where, where it looks different because it's now virtual, it, it should still underpin everything we do. So yeah, I, I completely agree there. Um, in, t- in terms of then thinking now, we're obviously in our second big wave, I suppose, of lockdown and remote learning. You know, the, the, the first one came um, kind of Easter time until the summer uh, last year. And we've now been in this, even though it's only uh, a couple of weeks uh, since kind of Christmas, we we think we're going to be in it till, well, we've been told at least February half term. And um, it could be beyond that because, it, you know, at the moment it just says at, 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 the, at the earliest. So... What did you what did you learn or what did we learn, I suppose, really from from the first wave of the remote learning in lockdown one? And how have you adjusted your delivery style in, in accordance with that? So lockdown one was um, it was a bit of a shock for us all, I would say. Um, nobody really saw it coming up until maybe a week or two before it actually happened. And um, so it was a complete bolt out of the blue. And I think initially for schools and certainly from a a school leadership point of view, it was very much right. What are we going to do and how are we going to manage this? And so initially we were getting to grips with Google Classroom as as a way of working consistently across our school. And we were predominantly, I would say, and this is certainly true of myself, we were putting um, resources onto the classroom for students to access. but then through trial and error, error, we were realizing that you have to be quite systematic in how you put that those resources on because students could get quite confused about what they were doing and when. We then decided to adapt it a little bit because we were finding some students were getting quite stressed with trying to follow rigidly their previous timetable because it was quite a prolonged period of, of online learning. Um, so we created a bit more of a flexible approach so that we put the work on at the beginning of the week and the students could then access that as and when, which again worked for some, but didn't work so well for others. Um, and we didn't, we weren't able to do as much live um, interaction with our groups as we would have liked to, because unfortunately we were in a situation in the school where we've got a little bit of catching up to do in terms of tech um, for staff and for students. So we had lots of staff who didn't have access to a webcam um, and in some cases laptops. So we were a little bit hamstrung by the, by the technology. And we were also in a situation where a lot of our students didn't have access to um, laptops and Chromebooks. And so we did a lot of work during that lockdown to remedy that, which I think is an important step and has made a big difference this time. Um, but it also meant that we were a bit restricted as to what we could do. Um, so for this lockdown, we've got people with access to greater technology. Our staff have got um, the technology available to them and feel more confident with it as well, because we were at a stage where because all the staff didn't have the tech, we hadn't really had any training on how any of these things worked. Um, 
and then I think that this time round we've got we've definitely got a much more varied approach and we've got more um, live check-ins going on so this time we've got a much more stringent approach with our tutor groups and um, making sure that we again bring people together um, and make sure that people connect because that's a really important thing and in the first lockdown I came up with the idea of doing the virtual assemblies um, because it felt like you wanted to really try to keep a degree of normality as much as possible when the rest of the world appeared to to be anything but normal and I think that's an important part of, of school and a school community and um, so it is very different this time um, and we've definitely learned from the first lockdown that having that face-to-face -face engagement and those conversations with students and having a mixed diet of interactive and resources is definitely a better approach to take. And I think you, you, what you've just mentioned there is really important that it's, we, we need to remember it's not just about the content that we're delivering and, and our subject matter, even though that might be really important to us as a classroom teacher, but it's also about getting the students to feel that they're, that they're, that they're bigger than something just that, than their own kind of screen or their own learning. And they're, they're part of something, they're part of a family, they're part of a family you know, in our school. And it, like you say, it's about that connection and that, and that community feel. Um, of coming together at certain points, whether it's a virtual assembly, whether it's a tutor time activity, you know, whether it's within a live lesson that, that you, they can see everyone else in, in there and, the, and there's a chat function where you, you know that the rest of your class kind of mates are in that chat, in that function at the same time and you're answering questions. And and I think that you know, it is bigger than just the fact that there's there's a one-on-one -on -one learning kind of tool because you know, not everyone can cope in, in that environment where it is completely isolated and self you know, self-kind of regulated um, and, and you've got to be really super intrinsically motivated. So I think that there's a lot of mileage in that. And I think that's, that's a really good learning uh, curve you know, that, that we've come on to make sure that we're still offering those things. Um, so, I mean, just, just as, a, as a little kind of side there, so what, what things are happening in kind of, if, if, if tutors are listening and thinking, you know, what, what else could I do in my kind of virtual tutor times? What, what things are kind of happening, I suppose, to make, it, to make that quite kind of engaging or, or a worthwhile activity for, 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 for the kind of tutors and tutees? Well, what we're doing is on that we've got a slightly, again, slightly different approach for different year groups, depending on their key stage. Um, and we're still in a little bit of a, a situation where um, I kind of liken the, the pandemic really uh, to everybody's in a, in a life boat, but some people have got a, a luxury yacht that they're in and other people find themselves in a boat with lots of holes in, just trying to survive on a day-to-day -day basis. So we're taking an approach this time where we're trying to level the playing field in that respect in terms of the technology. And then for our tutor time activities, again, to try and get that engagement and that connection going. For, for everybody we've got a Monday tutor where everybody comes together live in year seven to ten um, and has a catch-up um, with their tutor and there's just a bit of dialogue about how things are going how is everybody doing it's a really good opportunity to do a bit of a safeguarding check as well in terms of seeing people and checking that they're okay because that's always a big worry for us as a profession um, and as teachers you know how are these kids doing and how are they doing lockdown when we're not seeing them because for some kids the safest space they have and the most consistent space they have is school and when they're not coming to school on a daily basis then that routine can go and you know we don't know if they're okay or they're not so the tutor time is a great opportunity to do those check-ins and that's a big part of what we do 
Um, we also do Word of the Week um, normally in tutoring, so we're continuing with that. And students are actively encouraged to use the word um, in their work that week and staff look out for it. Um, we also have a day where there'll be a virtual assembly for them to watch. And interestingly, our one next week is on independence, <laughs> rightly so. Mm -hmm. um, and we felt that was a useful, uh, useful topic to, uh, to pick and to do for, for that. Um, and then we also now, what we've tried to do this time to simplify things a little bit is we've made our school day the same each day. Um, and we used to have a Tuesday where there'd be an L4L -L slot where we do our kind of learning for life work that's going to go into tutor now as well um so there'll be some personal social and emotional development work that happens in tutor as well for year 11 12 and 13 we're going to have academic um small group academic catch-ups so tutors will meet with their tutees in small groups of five or six um and again it's an opportunity to have a bit of a check-in see how things are going for everybody um have a little bit of you know one-to-one -one conversation if that's needed um, and then the longer term plan, um, with your help, is that mm. we're going to have some um, short uh, video lessons around how you learn and revise and study and well-being. And we're going to put those into our classrooms. So you've done some animated um, videos uh, around lots of different topics, such as the Pomodoro technique. And then tutors can have a conversation with their tutees about those techniques, how they're using them, how they're applying them, have they tried them already, are they new, have they heard of them before? So we're keeping that message of learning and developing and engaging and, and developing themselves as well, not just as learners, but as lifelong learners and as lifelong citizens um, going forward. So yeah, that's how we're working the tutor time at the moment. Fantastic. And I think it just really demonstrates that school is more than just an examination kind of centre, you know, and it's about developing, like you say, those lifelong skills, uh, bringing that community together, that, that connection, you know, checking on people, safeguarding, welfare, all those type of things that we know we do day in and day out. Well, you know, you've just demonstrated quite, quite well there that we can still do those things, even though we're doing them uh, remotely. And even though they might be a little bit more difficult, we still, uh, you know, we, we still should be, you know, uh, hopefully trying to do those things as much as we possibly can. Um, going then back to kind of um, thinking about, you know, recorded lessons now and, and kind of, you know, moving away from that tutor time and everything else, but purely now back onto kind of learning. What pieces of software or technology have you been using then to deliver you know, recorded lessons? So I was introduced to Loom in the first lockdown, which um, is a software package where you can, you're a little circle in the corner and you can see your face and you can hear you. And then there's a presentation going on in the background. You can do the same thing as well through Google Meet, but I quite like Loom. It's, it looks a little bit more stylish. And I've been using that for the live, the pre-recorded elements, sorry, of the lessons. So I will have a presentation or a resource, or I might have a model answer up, um, on the screen and then I'll just be a little circle in the corner and I will be talking through either an idea or a concept or talking through a model answer and then the students will be able to see and hear me in the corner and like I say the benefit of that is they can record they can they can rewind sorry they can pause it and um, you can set an activity and they can they can get on with that and then come back to the video um, so Loom has been great. And like I say, I also use it for, for assemblies. And then another thing that one of my colleagues introduced me to, um, uh, Mrs. Wardle, was Moat, which is a 
video it's not video at all it's a voice recording um piece of software where and this i've, I've, ba- I've basically been waiting for this my whole career because as you can tell i'm quite a talker um, <laughs> and it's part of what i do when we're in the classroom i have those one-to-one and small group conversations with kids and talk to them about right this was really good now this is how you can develop and i know loads of other teachers do the same thing now Mort allows you as a piece of software to leave that personalized voice feedback for students that they can go back to they can if they're a really intrinsically motivated pupil they may write down the feedback that you're giving them but I find that it'll take me a minute to record some really detailed and hopefully useful feedback for for students whether it's on an essay or whether it's on a paragraph or a piece of creative writing that they've done and they've got that to keep then as well so they can go back to it it's there in the classroom and you literally just click on the m um, in the comments section it'll record a minute and a half of you giving feedback and then it stops so i could do a class of 30 students within less than an hour whereas before when i had assignments i'd have a pile of them on my dining table and then it would take me probably two or three hours to to go through the same amount of work um writing physically writing what went well and even better ifs and putting comments on and so on and um, this way i can do the same thing but in a much more swift and hopefully useful fashion um and then obviously we have the google meet platform where you can actually do live quizzing on it you can do polls on it um i'm i'm starting to dabble in jamboard i know you use that in some of your um webinars and training that you do mm-hmm. um so i'm still ex- experimenting with that but that's almost like a, a live interactive board where kids can put post-its and comments on and you can you know everybody can interact with one another on the on the same screen so there's there's loads of stuff available to us it's just being brave and having a go um and seeing what works and what doesn't work and generally it's it's a mixture of all of them really but if you'd asked me before lockdown if i used any of these technologies the answer would have been no i i, I used google classroom but that was it really um so yeah i'm very grateful um and glad that this the one good thing to come out of this is that it's it's helped us to develop our use of those technologies that have always been available but that we've maybe been a little bit scared of and, I, and I, it, it, that's lovely to hear and i think that you know, picking up on one of the words you mentioned there was being brave and i think that's absolutely it, it you know we we can't break these tools do you know what I mean so just give them a go and, and 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 have a go at them and i think that my advice to people would be would be twofold really try things out um locally on your computer at home kind of offline to have a little go first the, the last thing you really want to do is with your year 11 class try something brand new and not know how to use it and then get it completely wrong in front of them you know, you want to have a little try with it try it beforehand check it works watch a couple of youtube videos on how things work you know have a little you know sign up for it give it a go try it because uh, that gives you far much more confidence in terms of knowing how you're going to be able to do it and then just and then ultimately try it with one class try it with a class where you think it, you, you you're comfortable with it, it might work it might be with your, I don't know, maybe with your kind of key stage five class where you've got a little bit more rapport where you're going to say, listen, I'm just going to give this a go today. And if it doesn't work, don't worry. And they might be a little bit more forgiving, um, you know, if, if things don't go don't go kind of right. So absolutely be brave, try things out. And like you said, before lockdown, this was a lot of this you'd have kind of, you know, you'd have shied away from and, and, and you know, it felt maybe out of arm's reach. But now you are, you know, you're certainly proficient. Um, and it, it feels like as a profession, we've moved forward, 
five years in five months type of thing you know, with technology. And I think that that's absolutely brilliant and, and, and certainly where we need to kind of go in, in, in the future. Um, yeah. One thing, I, one thing I want to kind of home in on now is that, um, you know, if, if we're going back to the differences between recorded and live lessons, there, there, there is an argument to suggest that live lessons uh, are far easier to track attendance with um because clearly you've got students in front of you you can ask them to shout their name out or you can you, you know that the, the names are on the screen there's a whole host of ways you can kind of do that with, with but again that doesn't mean to mean to say that the lesson will be any better because of that it just means you can you can track attendance figures and and, and, and that kind of stuff but how 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 then are you finding the challenge of tracking attendance or non-compliance of work or engagement when you're doing uh, more of a recorded lesson approach yeah, so we debated this as the leadership team, and it was an interesting um, discussion because you're right in that the benefit of live lessons so that you can see who's in front of you, a bit like a lesson in a classroom, um, and those who haven't turned up, it's fairly obvious. Um, but I always had this feeling um, and this need really to, to bring it back to uh, the work completion because it comes back to that slight little element of doubt for me where they could be there in the live lesson, but that could be it. And if that is the only tracking mechanism that you use, then you are tracking somebody who's appearing on a screen for half an hour, but not necessarily doing anything with it. So the approach that we're going to take as a school is it's going to be based upon work completion. And the reason for this is that if we do a live lesson, so like my live spelling test this morning, not all of the kids could be there. Um, so I record it and that goes in the classroom and then they can do the activities that were in that recorded lesson and then submit the work. And for me, it's a submission of work that is the real measure of engagement. Um, because whether they were there live or not, if you are taking more of a mixed approach and you do have some pre-recorded material, the students cannot really complete the work without having access to the pre-recorded material. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a double win because that way you're, you're checking whether they've actually engaged with the live content or the recorded content, but then you're also seeing the evidence of that through the completion of work. Um, it's not an easy thing, this whole attendance and tracking of engagement. In an ideal world, you know, it'd be nice where I know at the moment, for example, on Loom, I get a notification to say that somebody's watched the, the video, but it's usually anonymous. So I don't know who it is. So I'd, hopefully going forward, the technology might develop a bit more or my knowledge of it <laughs> might develop a bit more so that um, you can actually um, see and check who's actually been consuming your, your pre-recorded content. But until then, we're going to stick with the completion of work. Um, and we've actually just devised a new system at, at school because we collaborated with our unions. And, you know, it's really important and, and, and key, really, to have staff well-being as well at the heart of everything that we're doing at the moment. And any decisions around tracking and monitoring and delivery of work at the moment has to have the element of well-being of staff and students at the centre of it as well, because it's a difficult time. And like I say, we're all in different lifeboats and, and everybody's circumstances are different. You know, some people are juggling homeschooling with trying to deliver pre-recorded and live and resource content for all of their groups as well. So we have decided from a tracking point of view now that we're going to use SIMS um, for anybody who doesn't complete work and that's going to be our log 
and all staff have to do now a little bit like when we're in school and there might be a behavior incident they just have to click on the student's name and just register on a, on a list of options non-completion of work and they can do that um, each week for when a student maybe hasn't engaged or completed any of the tasks that have been set and then we have somebody in our school who's an expert in sims who can collate all of that information and then that's going to be available on the parent portal app um, so they're going to be able to see when that is the case so then hopefully they can help and support us with that work completion and then if that happens on for multiple different subject areas for one student then we have an engagement team in school that, that I help to run with the support of other assistant head colleagues and we would then be able to make that direct contact with the beauty of the whole thing it has literally just come together this morning the beauty of the whole thing is that it's it's easy for staff to do as opposed to having to individually email lots of different kids they just put a log on the register and then somebody centrally can track all of that pull reports up and then we've got detailed knowledge of engagement levels and then we can do the next step in terms of our approach to uh, to getting these students re-engaged or seeing if they need any extra help or support in terms of doing that yeah, and, and I think that's really key to, to, to think about that that submission of work as well and really homing in on that because, as you quite rightly point out, just because you are present in a lesson uh, and listening to a member of staff or, you know, um, answering the odd poll in, in, a, in, a, in a lesson doesn't mean to say that, that there's actually any work kind of going on. So I think, it, again, going back to what the, the guy said in the first episode is about thinking about what's the purpose of the lesson, how are you going to structure it so that there is some opportunities for independent work, whether that's a live lesson that is only a 10-minute kind of starter and an activation that then students go off and do, whether it's a recorded lesson where students pause it, do the work, and then kind of play again and, 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 and then kind of take the next part of the lesson. Whatever it is, it's about, again, again going back to those fundamentals of high quality teaching and learning you wouldn't in a classroom stand up and do a chalk and talk lesson and just talk to kids for 60 minutes every lesson you just wouldn't do that so again we need to think about how we can give opportunities for students to be doing that and giving them you know putting the onus on them and putting the accountability on them to actually submit work because you know this isn't just a uh, an entertainment business where we're going to entertain you for five hours a day by live lessons and by being talking to you on, on on calls you are going to have to do some work you know and you are going to have to do it independently and you're going to have to do this on your own and you are going to have to struggle a little bit because we want students to struggle a little bit we want them to to feel like they've got to you know work out what to do when they don't know what to do you know all those type of things that we'd want to do in a classroom we need to try and replicate that at home as well so I think that's a really good kind of tip for people to think about, you know, submission uh, and, and recording that as, as, as real true engagement rather than just attendance being a being an engagement uh, method there. Um, we talked a little bit, or, or you talked a little bit in one of your answers um, a couple of questions ago about um, using Mort to do some kind of verbal uh, verbal feedback there. But are there any other ways that you've been kind of assessing work or providing feedback to students uh, that they've been doing during these lessons, whether they've been recorded or whether they've been live? Uh, yes, I have. So Mort has been my primary way of working because obviously you can imagine in English and in media, students are submitting written answers. And so therefore that's that's one way to, to approach it. But I also find obviously retrieval of key information is so important now um, and they need to be going back and revisiting ideas and content and keeping it fresh in their minds and, you know, coming back to it a week later, a month later, etc. So I tend to use quizzes for that. Um, precise reason um, and that's much more about fact retrieval for the students but it's a good way for me to know 
without it having a huge workload or marketing implication, who is remembering those key bits of information that they need to know for, for those exams, whatever they may look like now, um, or the assessments. Um, and it, all I have to do on quizzes is I just go into it and, it and it gives me the results and it'll say, you know, so-and-so got 10 out of 10 and they got so many points because they did it in, in a certain amount of time and, and then it'll go down from there and it'll also show me, and you can do, you can do quizzes in Google um, as well. Um, it's not just you don't have to use quizzes as a platform or you can use Kahoot. Some people use that as well. But it's, it's students engage with it well as well because they love a quiz. Um, I think, you know, as adults, we love quizzes, don't we? Yeah. Um, it gives you that instant feedback, too, which is always nice. Um, so they engage with it well, but it's a really good tool for you as a teacher to really get an in-depth insight into, right, OK, where am I? Where are the misconceptions? What are the students not quite grasping? What are they struggling to retrieve and remember, which can then inform either your live or pre-recorded content um, that you put out there? So I find that's a really good uh, tool. And then another thing that I do um, is I'm starting to do much more whole class feedback because I know English teachers and other teachers, history teachers, you know, probably everybody across the land, whatever subject you teach, you'll know that you go through certain bits of work and the same issues come up over and over again. So, for example, I set a piece of work on our new module for year eight on the Tempest and the amount of students that forgot to put an E on the end of Shakespeare, it was, <laughs> it was quite baffling and mind-blowing. <laughs> so the, I then picked up on that. And I incorporated the word Shakespeare into our spelling test and it was something they had to work on this week. But but having that information quickly and readily to hand really informs what we what we do as teachers um, and the, the content that we deliver. But whole class feedback with follow-up tasks is a really valuable tool. Um, and it's hard for teachers sometimes because you feel like you want to give that personalised feedback to individuals because that's the right thing to do. And if you don't do that, are you kind of, you know, taking an easy route or the easy option? But you're not because whole class feedback can be so valuable because rather than it being a bit painful for the individual, perhaps, let's say, because they've, they've got two or three things that they need to work on and that feels, you know, hard for them to take. If you're doing whole class feedback, it's like, right, look, everybody, we all struggled a little bit with this. So let's do a little bit of work on it. And it actually depersonalizes it a bit, which then means that, that the students don't will, will engage with it thinking oh it's not just me actually this it, everybody's struggling with this a little bit um and so i find it, it's like anything isn't it it's it's a mixed approach um so the quizzes for the kind of knowledge assessment the, the more feedback for those um put more personal feedback and then the whole class feedback with follow-up tasks to address any any learning needs are the things that i'm finding i'm doing the most at the moment and and going back to what I what I've said previously in the, in this kind of uh, in this episode that those fundamental um, kind of approaches to high quality teaching learning are coming through again there because just because it's online doesn't mean to say you can't do whole class feedback you know that that's certainly starting to become far more popular across the teaching profession now in, in the in the classroom for all the reasons that you mentioned there but again why can't we then you know bring that onto our, into our online kind of virtual learning uh, and I think we just need to remember that a lot of the approaches that we do we can still and we should use those same principles in, in our remote learning, but it might just look slightly different. And the second thing I want to pick up on, which you mentioned there, that it just, it, 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 um, it reminded me of something I'd, I'd kind of written a while ago, that, that actually 
you mentioned about quizzes and I think you, you, the phrase you said was everyone loves a quiz. And actually, you know, that one of my, one of my top tips for the people right now is to just reframe. If you're going to do a test, don't tell them it's a test. You know, nobody likes a test, but we nope. all like quizzes. Tell them it's a quiz. You know, we go to, we go to pubs or where, where, when we're allowed to, in terms of lockdown, we go to pubs to do pub quizzes. No one goes to a pub to do a pub test, you know? And I think just <laughs> that, that's like emphasis and shifting wording and, and mm-hmm. phrasing and psychology. You know, kids, especially boys as well, in terms of hard-to-reach boys and motivating boys, they like competition, they like quizzes. It feels exciting, even though it might be a test in disguise, by telling them it's a quiz and by using something that actually has quiz in the title, whether it's the software, whether it's the way you frame it, then I think that that's a really good way to do that. So, yeah, I, w- I would definitely recommend people to do that and get their students in the mindset of doing quizzes rather than tests. Um, we mentioned there about feedback and, and, and we talked about kind of feedback, but in, in, in the other sense of feedback, what, what's been the early feedback that, that on these approaches that, that you've had or we've had or as a school you've had from both students and parents this time around? I would say one of the best early bits of feedback, and I mean, it is very early days. And, and, and as we've explained to our parents, we're still going to be refining our approaches and developing them um, once we learn more through doing them. Um, but the early feedback what I've certainly noticed is that students who didn't necessarily engage hugely last time um, are more engaged this time um, and kids who I didn't hear much from in the last lockdown are appearing in in the short live lessons or they're handing in the work Um, and and I do love to leave a little note um, voice recording as well just to say I've noticed that you were you haven't actually handed in this work yet so if you could go back into your folder and find it and submit it that would be great and for whatever reason that little voice bit of feedback seems to lead to um the work suddenly appearing um but that's great because it's quite a supportive gentle approach but it's resulting in the work being completed um we've had loads of positive feedback from parents just saying that they really appreciate we've got really great parents um, in our school who really understand how difficult this whole thing has been for not just their kids but for us as a staff and as a school as well and um, and they appreciate the fact that you know people are appearing live to chat to their young people and that we're setting recorded work for them to be able to get on with independently um, so that therefore you know mum or dad can continue to get on with what they need to get on with as well and it's going to take time for some students to develop that independence but but all in all the overarching feedback is very positive but like I say we'll keep tweaking and changing it and we'll also do some student voice um and possibly parent voice as well just to find out their thoughts because you can put something out there and you can think oh this is great but actually the people that are having to do it they might notice things that you haven't as the person creating it. So it's important to have that dialogue as well and, and change accordingly. Absolutely. And I would echo everything you've said there about the feedback you've had and certainly the, the feedback that I've seen from, from all three schools, from parents, whether it's been uh, anecdotally through conversations I've had with people, whether it's been on social media sites that, 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 that parents have written on, whatever it is, it's been overwhelmingly positive in terms of our approach this time around, um, how we've engaged, how we've altered our approaches um, and all the work and the hard work and effort that's gone into it. So I, I would absolutely echo that. But I also just want to pick up what you said at the end there about re- remembering about the the end user experience that you know, I'm a, I'm, I feel fortunate that I'm a school leader and a parent. So I can, I feel I can see things from kind of both sides. And, and, you know, I know right now, in as where I'm recording this kind of podcast with you, 
that I'm obviously, you know, on a on a, on a live call with you. Uh, my son, uh, who who's a, who's a sixth form in Darlington, he's on a live call upstairs in his bedroom on a Google Meet. My daughter, who attends a school in Darlington in year eight, she's on a live call on Microsoft Teams uh, above me. And my wife, who works for Durham Local Authority, is on a live call that I can kind of half hear in the background in the in the kitchen behind me. So we need to remember that you know that that that. The, the end user experience is sometimes is quite difficult and you know we might need a device all at the same time if it's live or if it's recorded then you might not need to or you might need connections all at the same time and independent spaces to work at and you know that the, the classroom environment is very different to the home environment and we need to when we are creating our resources as, as staff we need to always have an eye on what the end user experience is or might be and not just think it's the same as you are in terms of you sat in front of your laptop that might be quite nice that's got all the the functionality that you need what happens if your students haven't got that device what happens if they are only accessing your lessons on a mobile phone you know how can you make it kind of thinking about being mobile mobile first you know and thinking about your font size your your your, your color selection of your fonts how many applications you're using or not using all those different kind of things i think is really important to remember because um you know everyone's home environment is going to be different and, and remember their home environment you know that that's different to a learning environment so we, we need to remember that um so finishing up now and 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 i suppose this is your chance to have it, to stand on your soapbox a little bit if need be once we're back to some kind of form of normality how do you see it? And, and you sound like you are the converted now, Emma, you know, in terms of, you know, before you were, before lockdown, you were looking at some of these things and thinking, oh, I wish I wouldn't know how to do this. And now you kind of are. How do you see things like Loom or, or general, all the software you've talked about and recorded lesson resources supporting the learning of our students after we get back to some kind of normality? You know, is, is it something that we're going to just forget about and go back to our normal routines and put our comfy slippers back on? Or is there a way that this can really support students uh, and, 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 and high quality teaching learning moving forward? Oh, I think that definitely there's, there's, uh, there's a time and a place for this um, going forward. And it's a great question. Um, the, my, my worry is always that people will slip back into their comfort zone. Um, and, and I know myself that that's often the place that I feel most confident. So therefore, it would be naturally where I would um, retreat to. But this, this whole pandemic and this whole um, situation has really given us a chance to embrace these technologies that have been around for so long. And, and in a lot of ways, they do actually solve some of the long-term whole school issues that I've noticed um, from the past few years. So things like um, students who struggle with attendance, um, this type of thing comes into its own. So that if you're taking a bit of a blended approach to your delivery, um, and you have some elements that appear in a virtual sphere, then people who are not there can still access work, whether it's down to medical issues or anxiety or whatever it might be that prevents kids from coming to school. I do think that if we can take this forward and use it as part of what we do on, in our day-to-day lives within the classroom, um, then that's got to be a good thing. Um, I think it could also be a bit of a workload saver as well, because some of this technology allows you to record things um, that are there forever. So you can then reuse those and, and, and kind of, I don't know, you, you, you're not going to have to say the same thing over and over again. You could actually record something and then it's there and then you can use it in whichever way you most see fit, um, which links in with the idea of pre-learning and flipped learning. Um, and I know that's something that people have started to, to dabble with 
Um, but these type of technologies and this sort of platform really enable that to happen with, with ease. Um, and then it also creates a different dimension to homework as well. So homework, rather than being something that's often a bit of an add-on that comes at the end and it's sometimes finishing a task or doing a bit of something extra because, you know, we feel that it should be there, you could actually have some teacher input element to the homework where kids are actually engaging with something that's either pre-recorded or um, a video or something that then leads to some work being completed, um, which may increase that engagement factor. And also that whole notion that learning never stops. Um, and that, that's a good kind of final soapbox moment, really, for me. <laughs> The reason that I love the job that I do and that I went into teaching is because I love to learn. And the best thing that we can do for our young people in a school setting is to create that lifelong love of learning. And it sounds cheesy, but I don't care because it's true. Um, and so therefore we're learning by grappling with these technologies. But if we can develop online resources um, and materials that kids can access that really truly engage them and infuse them into wanting to delve deeper into topics, then I think we've we've cracked it. Um, and so that's how I would see the technologies really coming into their own um, and developing that that student independence more. Brilliant. I'm smiling behind the mic here, and I'm not going to add anything else to that because I think you've 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 kind of you've said that said it perfectly. What I think, um, and, and I think I think that's fantastic. So that brings us to 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 the end of this episode. I just want to thank you hugely, Emma, um, for all of your thoughts um, and, and and your detailed kind of observations, really, of what's ha- kind of happened over the last kind of few few weeks, few months, few days as well. You, you talked about things that have happened this morning that you've done, and as opposed to the kind of first lockdown, how you've used kind of recorded lessons and, and that different blended approach so we are using a bit of live and a bit of recorded and the benefits of both so yeah just a huge thank you for, for giving your kind of thoughts for, for all of the, the teachers listening and hopefully they'll be able to take some real kind of um real pointers and, and be able to hugely improve their offer really um because like i say not because we have to improve but because we can improve and that kind of quote from dylan william that you know it's not not that we have to get better it's we, we can get better and i think that that idea of that lifelong learning whether or not it's for a, a student or whether it's for a, a member of staff i think is, is absolutely absolutely key so thank you very much indeed Emma. i really appreciate it oh thank you for having me my podcast debut <laughs> i very very much enjoyed it so thanks for having me thanks for listening to the alt learn podcast we'll be back soon with another episode where we'll be speaking to more of our teachers and finding out how they're turning theory into practice until then take care